0: Be in First Peter chapter one. First Peter Chapter One. Thankful for the Bible, thankful that it's still true. It's still useful. Now uh, not every bit of it is easy, but I'm glad that. Uh, with the easy parts and the hard parts and everything in between. Uh, we have two things. We've got the Holy Spirit to help teach us. And then we have access to the Father, or we have access to Jesus Christ, the author and finisher, and I'm glad that through all of that, and prayer. Uh, we can figure things. Now, we're not going to figure out the entire Bible, and we're not going to, uh, you know, it, it, it will take a lifetime of working at it, but I'm glad uh, that there is, there is something here for every day of our life, no matter what scenario, uh, you know, what stage of life you're in. There is something for us, and, and I'm glad that with each turn of the page as you read uh, even pages that we've read so many times before. I'm glad uh, that there's something more for today. It's because it's a living word, uh, and it is true. I tell you what, if you don't think it's a living word, get you an outdated book and read it and see how uh, how quickly everything has changed and everything else. But I'm glad uh, His word is sure. Uh, but we're just going to look at the first two verses. First uh, Peter chapter 1. Uh, Just the very beginning says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, uh, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Lord, we thank you so much for your word tonight. Thank you for its truth. Thank you that uh, we can get into it one more time. Lord, I pray that you would help us tonight. Help me to preach. Help us all to listen and see what your word has for us. Lord, we ask that the Holy Spirit would teach. Fill me with the unction. And Lord, help us to concentrate on your word tonight just for a, a short time. Lord, that we can get something out of it. And Lord, that would not just help us today, but Lord, help us for the rest of our lives. Lord, we thank you for all things. And in Jesus' name we pray. And amen. Amen. So in the beginning, you know, it talks about uh, Peter gives the description of himself. He says he's an apostle of Jesus Christ. Uh, and uh, one of the things that you see, if you look in the Bible, when it, there's a list of the apostles, Peter always makes himself. He's always ends up at the top of the list. He doesn't do that, but he ends up at the top. And, you know, he was he was one of the ones on the mountain of transfiguration. So he is definitely one of the leading apostles. But look, Peter doesn't say uh, Peter, a chief apostle of Jesus Christ. He just mentions himself with one of the 12. You know, he uh, you can tell uh, that he is a man that uh, he is a humble man. You can tell he is different from some of the earlier things in the Gospels where he Uh, you know, would speak out of turn and everything else. I'm glad that God uh, through work, through being with Jesus Christ, God worked on him uh, and he grew in Christ. And I'm glad that we can all do the same thing. Uh, But here is a, uh, imagine getting this letter of first Peter. It's got the uh, full authority of a man that walked with Jesus Christ, uh, one of the apostles, and he is mentioned all throughout the gospels, both the good and the bad. And uh, it would have been a blessing to get this. Uh, And he's right to these cities in Asia Minor. That's the part of the Roman Empire. So today, if you look in the map, it's pretty much where Turkey is at, that country today. Uh, but that—that that is the, the opening there. But look what he says next. And this is what I want to focus on. Just this first phrase in verse 2, it says this, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. And you can read these, and this is just an introduction uh, to the letter, and you can read read that pretty quickly but if you stop and think about what this is saying uh uh, you know number one in the verse through sanctification of the spirit and obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ uh, you see right then and there the entire trinity is mentioned in one verse you know some people say that uh the trinity is a made-up concept that we made up and uh you know it's not really in there that maybe it's one God uh, doing playing three parts or something like that but you see right here uh, that there is the God the Father, there's the Holy Spirit, there's Jesus Christ, each doing different roles in the same thing. Uh, So they're all together on the same page. Uh, But here again, the Trinity isn't a made-up concept. It's in the Bible. It's throughout the Bible. But this phrase, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, this is tricky because elect means chosen. And foreknowledge means something that's known ahead of time. So you think chosen and known ahead of time, uh, and you think of those things uh, because you've probably heard uh, when it comes to this subject right here, there are Christian groups that say that what this means is God chose ahead of time who's going to be saved and who's going to be lost. And he chose it at the beginning, and uh, you're not making a choice of salvation. You were in the salvation list and therefore you had no choice, you're going to be saved, or if you're in the list that's not going to be saved, you're going to hell. You don't have a choice. There are groups uh, that believe that. There are groups that believe that that are real close around us. You know, the uh, the Gethsemane would be one of those, but there's many uh, around us, and uh, one of the names for it would be Calvinists, and they would call that unconditional election that election that choice that God made unconditional is a fancy way of saying you don't do anything it just happens you know Uh, and that's what they're saying that basically there are people predestined to salvation and others to damnation and reading the first phrase of that you would think well that's exactly what Peter's saying elect under the foreknowledge of God let me give you another another verse Ephesians 1 4 and 5 says this according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will so this is one of the main passages that a Calvinist would use to again say hey uh, God chose us looking he says right here, he chose us before the foundation of the world, and it was predestined. It was something that was happened before the uh, beginning of time, that there's an elect that God chose. Uh, and that this happened because it was according to the pleasure, uh, the good pleasure of his will. One more uh, verse, uh, Romans 9, 15, and 16 says this, For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. And that passage is quoting Exodus 33:19. This is where Moses is speaking to the Lord. And remember, this is the passage where Moses is going to be hid in the cleft of the rock. The glory of the Lord's going to go by uh, and show it to him. But before that happened, uh, this is after the golden calf. Uh, Moses is interceding uh, for the people one more time. And the Lord is explaining to Moses right here. He's saying, hey, uh, Moses, you are not forcing me to forgive the people. I'm choosing to forgive the people, right? That's what, that's what God's saying. He's saying, hey, I'm choosing to show mercy just like I chose them as my chosen nation. You know, I chose them. Yet my hand was not forced in this. So then Moses uh, wanted to see the glory of God. And again, uh, he didn't get to see the glory of God because he made God show him his glory. God chose to do that. So again, uh, if we look at uh, the beginning of, 1 Peter uh, 1, verse 2, if we look at that first phrase, elect according to the foreknowledge of God, we look at that Ephesians passage saying, hey, he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. We look at the passage in Romans where God chooses who he's going to show mercy on and who he's not. If you put those three together plus other ones, you would say, now, wait a second, how can we be free will Baptist? How can we say that man has a choice of salvation? Right? Take it off the sign, right? Let's pluck the letters off or cover it up or something like that. Let's hold on before we do that. You know, you hear me say over and over again that you have to look at the whole Bible and you have to look at verses that agree with your position as long as... Uh, also the ones that disagree now I started with the ones that you would say disagree but I don't think any of them disagree and I'll, we'll get to that in a minute but Deuteronomy thirty nineteen says I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death blessing and cursing therefore choose life that both thou and thy seed may live God is telling the children of Israel. I have put choices in front of you and you're going to choose which one you're going to choose life. You're going to choose death, blessing, cursing. You're going to be righteous. You're going to be rebellious. What do you, you choose. And God is saying, when you make that choice, the choice I want you to make is to choose life. I want you to choose to obey me, but you make your own choice. Joshua 25, 15. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Again, it's a choice. Joshua said, You're going to choose you this day. But the way he's saying it is, You're going to have to wake up every day and make that choice. Are you going to choose to serve God or are you going to choose to serve yourself? or the idols around you, or anything else. Well, now, wait a second. So here's, the, here's where they would stop me and say, well, Mike, these are choices after, kind of like after you're saved. After you're saved, you choose whether you're going to sin or not, whether you're going to live righteously or not. Okay, we'll keep going. Revelation twenty two seventeen, And the spirit and the bride say, come, let him that heareth say, come, and let him that is athirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Well, that's talking about salvation. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That if is a choice. Revelation 3 20, Jesus says this, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and I will sup with him and he with me. He didn't say I'm banging the door down. He didn't say I'm forcing you to open the door. He said, if you want to open up the door, I'm coming in. If you'll invite me in. And then a big one, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And you can look at, there's a lot of whosoever passages. There's, I picked just two of them. But you see over and over again, there are plenty of verses that talk about having a choice in salvation. And that's where the people get, they, this is where the problem lies. You know, if we have a doctrine uh, on one end that says God is choosing everything, man doesn't have a choice, or you can go to the other extreme uh, and say, well, man has a choice and God doesn't control anything, and both of those are wrong. Because again, you've heard me say this, you want to create a doctrine, that's great, we need doctrine, but it's got to be biblical you've got to take every verse in the Bible on that subject and, and put them all together in their context and if there's any contradictions the doctrine's wrong, if there's any errors it's wrong, if you have to ignore any verses or, or put any verses aside, the doctrine is wrong and that's what the people don't want because they've said, they, and here's the thing they'll say, Mike, well, you know, we have believed this for uh, this huge amount of time all the way back uh, we've got these confessions. We've got everything else. And I'll say, uh, as, just as gently as I can, I don't care. I only care what the Bible says. Amen. That's it. That's it. And here's, but here's the thing. We've found verses tonight, and again, there's just a few. We could be here all night doing this, but there are verses that say God chose us, right? That was the first group. God chose us and there are verses that say we chose salvation we chose Jesus Christ when it was offered to us the gospel so then the question is which one is true because that's what the two doctrines are saying it's got to be one or the other which one is it and if you ask me which one is true I'll tell you both of them it's both of them and if your doctrine doesn't match that, then the doctrine's wrong. John 6, 37. We're going we're to park on this one for a minute. So if you want to turn to John chapter 6, verse 37. This is Jesus speaking. We're going to look at this one verse, and then we'll look at the next few verses in a minute. But John six thirty seven, Jesus says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. This is the passage Jesus is telling them he's the bread of life. They're going back and forth. Give me this bread. Then they don't want it. They're going, you know, they're confused and everything else. But this is in that passage. And look what he's saying. The first part of that verse, Jesus says, all that the father giveth me shall come to me. What does that sound like? God choosing us right? That's what he's saying. Father gives him to Jesus Christ. So that's not a a person choice. That's the father choosing uh, and they're giving him to Jesus Christ. So that's God choosing us or you can call it elect. Uh, Either way, it's the same thing. But the second part of the verse, him that cometh to me, to Jesus, I will in no wise cast out. Now he's talking about man choosing in response to the gospel. Now we've got both things in one verse now. So here's the problem. The easy way out, the Calvinists would say, well, the first part of the verse trumps the second part. Right? Here's what they'll tell you. All that the Father hath given me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me, because the Father just forced it, I will in no wise cast out. That's what they'll say. You didn't really have a choice, right? Him that cometh to me is more like him that was drugged, forced, whatever, I'm not going to cast out. But here's the problem. If it's a forced decision, it's not a choice, right? If you're being forced, there's no choice there, and if you read that verse that way, it doesn't match the rest of the Bible. Because God gives the man gives man the right and the responsibility to choose and then he holds men accountable for their choice. That's throughout the Bible. But here's the thing. The real problem that the Calvinists can't accept that man has a choice, is they're looking at it through a human perspective. And here's their problem. They say if a man really had free will, if you could really make real choices, then God would not know what the future holds. That's what they'll tell you. They'll say because, uh, and here's an example I'll give you. This is as best an example as I can give, and I'm going to use Brooke. This week's the first week of school, right? So teachers are real tired the first week of school. Probably anybody that works at the school, the first week's real tiring. So say one night this week, I decide to go to the Mexican restaurant, La Cabanita there in Mount Gilead, to get dinner. Okay? It's going to happen, I'm sure. So I can tell you right now that that day, Brooke's going to want a number 26. Okay? She almost always gets it. Over and over again. Chicken, rice, and cheese. It's super good. I get it a lot too. But that's what she's going to want. Right? That's foreknowledge, right? I know ahead. Now, the problem Calvinists are saying is Mike, what happens when that day gets there and she's ordered it a million times in a row and then all of a sudden she says, I want a to taco to salad Right, Because she has a real choice, she could change her mind. Well, that's a problem for me, predicting the future, but why is that a problem for God? That's why I'm so confused. Yes, it's a problem. I could say, she always gets a 26, she's going to pick a 26, she has free will to choose whatever she wants, and if she picks something different, I'm wrong. I don't know the future. But I'm not God. So I don't get it. Why God can tell he can see the future because he's outside of time. And this is where men get tripped up all the time. We are stuck in time, right? Until we leave this life and we get into eternal life, we're stuck in time. And even then we can't go back and forward and everything else. We're stuck in time. God is not. He's before time. That's why he can show John and the prophets, what the future holds. That's why he can take Moses back in time and show him earlier than Moses was alive. It's easy for God. He can do that. We can't. I think some people just don't really understand what, who God really is. Because our minds don't, it, our, the logic part of our minds, our minds, it just doesn't make sense. How can she really, because here's, here's where we'll flip it around. I can say that Brooke's going to choose number 26 because I know she will. So then when it gets to that point, they're saying, well, she can't have a real choice. Yeah, she can. Just knows what she's going to pick. And that's God. And I know he used a silly example, but that that's it. The future can be certain to God without us, a choice being forced on us. But he's outside of time. God knows what we're going to do. And God, here's the thing. Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world. But Jesus also knew before Adam and Eve were created, he knew who would accept him and knew who would reject him. So he knew on the cross who he was dying for. He was offering it to everybody. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But he knew who would take up the offer. He even knew it when he was walking the streets. He even knew it before he came to be born of a virgin. Yeah. He even knew it from the beginning. Yeah. That's why he can say, I died for the church. I died for these people. I died for the elect. And I died for everybody. Yeah. Because he knows. So then the thing is this. If God chooses everyone that chooses him, which he knows before the beginning, doesn't that make it all work? It's both. Let's go back to that verse again. John 6:37. And all that the Father giveth me shall come to me and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. And you're thinking, Mike, well, that sounds great. It sounds great that you say both are true. God choose me. I choose God. But is that really true? Well, look in the next few verses. Look what it says. It explains it. Uh, 38. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. Look at this. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again on at the last day. Do you see what he's saying? Everyone that the Father chose he's given to me I'm not losing any of them but I'm raising them all from the dead that's what he's saying I'm raising them up again in the last day so that's the father choosing look at verse 40 and this is the will of him that sent me sounds a lot like the first before it that everyone which seeth the son and believeth on him may have everlasting life and I will raise him up at the last day right there Jesus explains verse 37 he's saying hey everyone that the father chooses i'm not losing any of them they're not uh slipping out of my hand or anything like that Uh, but i will raise them up on the last day and everyone that believes on me i'm raising up on the last day too why because it's the same group it's the same group he's saying everyone the father's chosen is the same group that everyone that chose the son they're the same group and you're saying, well, now, wait a second, Mike, that's impossible. It can't work that way because if the father chose them, then they wouldn't have a choice. And I'm here to tell you, it's the same thing as the La Cabanita order. It's the same. God knew from the beginning. He knew who would accept Jesus Christ. He chose them. They chose him. It's done. Who's Jesus going to raise up on the last day? Those that were given to him by God, the father, and those that chose to believe on Jesus. And it's just so simply this. God chose us. And we chose God. That's it. Now go back to Peter. Elect the chosen ones. According to the foreknowledge. Of God the Father. That's us. That's us. Chosen by God. He's only given you the one half of it right here. We're chosen by God. God knew it ahead of time. Through the sanctification of the spirit in obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ grace unto you and peace be multiplied that's why we're not calvinists because only half of the verses are correct and that's why we're not going to abandon the sovereignty of god like some do that's the other extreme and say well god just doesn't know the future or god has no control that's not true either god is in control god knows the future And he has given man the ability to choose, and we are going to be held accountable for the choices that we make. The biggest choice is what will you do with Jesus Christ? Men will be held accountable for that. It's not forced, it's not something that you're strong armed because then it's not a choice. And with no choice, there's no accountability. But I'm glad that even in things that are tricky in God's word, all you have to do is go to God, and I think sometimes people overcomplicate things, and many times they they try to use logic instead of just using, uh, just really seeing God for who He really is. He sees all, He knows all, He's outside of time, He's all powerful, He's in control, and He loves us. What a God! So we're going to open up the altar tonight. If you need to pray.